0: When you dance the dance of another, you make yourself in the image of its creator. You empty yourself so that her work can live within you. Do you
1: understand? Who is it? Who's there? (laughs) I've been expecting you. The American girl. I knew you'd come. You want to kill me? you want to kill elena marcus
0: <laughs> you're in a company now you have to find your right place you have to decide what is it you want to be for this
1: company
0: Is it the head the spine the sex the heart you wanted to kill, me. Wanted to kill me what are you
1: going to do now uh, no. i want to be this company's hands <laughs> Death is coming for you.
0: (laughs) You wanted to kill Elena Marcus. (laughs) Hell is behind that door. You're going to need death now.
1: The living dead.
0: (laughs) Ha, the only thing
1: we have to say. is fear itself? No. Afraid. Be very free. There's nothing to fear
0: except God,
1: whatever that means to you. Do I look like someone who cares what God
0: thinks? Why do I
1: say
0: this? Because we got
1: Holy You're listening to a podcast exploring faith and fear what scares us, and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello and welcome to a unique episode of The Fear of God. This is uh, something that we have never had to do before, something that uh, hopefully will not be a continual recurrence but something that we think you're going to enjoy because of the unique nature of the episode I am going to forego the usual uh, the the usual introductory platitudes uh, except to say please go to iTunes please leave us a rating please leave us a review we would love that if you love the show please show us that love Uh, normally I'd go through the whole like oh Nathan's off somewhere dancing a ballet in skimpy clothing but no he's right here he's with me (laughs) he's right here he's with me Uh, Nathan hi buddy hey man so, listeners have known, they've, they've uh, heard a couple of times now that uh, some unfortunate things happened to our Suspiria episode during hashtag I Love the 70s. Um, we recorded that conversation. It's happened like only two or three times in the run of our show where uh, just something will happen to the recording that we won't know about until it's too late to do anything about it. Um, what we thought, we, we didn't want to simply, because we had a great I had a great conversation with Bill Oberst, Jr. You should go check that out. Thank you again, Bill for being part of that. But we didn't want to simply just bypass and not address, you know, one of the absolutely essential elements of 70s filmmaking, that of the uh, Giallo subset of, uh, you know, the slasher, thriller, horror films. So we wanted to uh, approach it again, but rather than just, oh, we'll just tag on this bonus episode later, we thought, well, let's do something kind of fun and, and different about it. In our original recording of the 1977 Suspiria or conversation about that we both said hey it'd be interesting to see the 2018 remake just to see you know how it compares what differences are there what's kind of in play so we figured we wanted to try to uh, do some justice to Dario Argento's 1977 film, also do something a little different than just rehashing the same conversation. So what we're about to do for you right now, in a briefer way than we normally do, we're not going to do our normal segments, we're just going to dive into the conversation, is we're going to converse about Dario Argento's 1977 original film, Suspiria, and we are also going to be conversing about what we have now both seen, the 2018 directed by, forgive me if I get his name wrong, uh, Luca Guadagnino. Oh, I, my gosh. I know, You're it's son- terrible. Do you know how? Th- Gu- Guadagnino? You no? Know? I don't know. <laughs> Try it again. Let's just see. L- know. Th- you know, this is going to be the next hour. It's just me <laughs> like, Luca Guadagnino. Like, Dario Argento is so easy. Why does this guy got to have this name? <laughs> No, I feel so awful. Look, I'm from the South, y'all. We don't talk right. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, I, I sincerely do not mean to be disrespectful. It, it's hard for me to get names sometimes. But um, you, the few 2018... of us, few of us do
0: mean to be disrespectful. <laughs>
1: Just, <laughs> yeah, it's a good <laughs> kinda point. Kind of are. Um, so uh, what we're going to do for this, we had kind of done this in a more playful way. Uh, during our conversation, our Quarterly King on uh, Pet Cemetery, where because we were dealing with a remake and we were dealing with having seen the 1980s film of Pet Cemetery, we kind of pitted key elements of the film against one another. And so, uh, Nathan, if you will permit me, for the structure of this conversation, we are going to just sort of uh, dive into, we'll, we'll pick, uh, I've got about six or seven little elements of the film here that we'll just make our way through Talk about things we liked, talk, and and converse about the '77 film, uh, converse about the uh, 2018 film, uh, no you know, just in 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 different ways. So, um, so you ready? You're, you're gonna dive I, I, right in.
0: I, I'm ready to dance, Reed.
1: Okay. Oh, the dance. Okay. So, first up top, I am going to categorize this as the general production aesthetic. So, uh, these films, despite being you know similar plot wise, have very different looks and feels to them. So so first off, I'll start and then uh, let you talk because I've already been talking a while. The 1977 film, as is typical of Giallo films, is very colorful. Vibrant colors, lots of striking reds and greens and blues. And what fascinated me most about the remake is that it it is almost like a color (laughs) like like it is just kind of this like sort of orange burgundy ish sort of thing uh, when it's not wintry and straight up grayed out it is uh, I was I was surprised at the general mutedness of the color palette of the film Uh, but not even just talking about the the colors and things which uh, talk a little bit about your experiences of, of recognizing the general production design the general production aesthetic and uh, pitting the two films against one another
0: well I am going to um, tell a funny little story uh, in the spirit of that so I had some traveling I did recently um, and had uh, downloaded in order to view on that uh, on those travels um, goodnight mommy the vanishing and this newest Suspiria and Suspiria was last and I had started it in the hotel you know Free from prying eyes, because I, I don't know what's in this film. Um, <laughs> right. Well, I couldn't finish it because it's two and a half hours in the hotel, mm, and so mm-hmm. didn't want to do this, but had to finish it on a plane. And fortunately for me, I had chosen a wall seat, you know, a window seat, because I effectively, you know, put the little uh, tray out and had the iPad on the tray, literally facing the window. Like,
1: Uh, literally facing the window
0: for the entire last hour, because that is some insane stuff. And I was like, man, I don't even want to I don't even want to have to give some sort of disclaimer to my neighbor here Um, and all (laughs) neighbors around me. To your point about production stuff, I did see kind of in the spirit of that was in Amazon, at least in that format. When you pause it, it'll pop up little trivial bits and whatnot. Um, oh yes, and yes. one of them had to do with the production aesthetic and how oh, intentional interesting. how intentional this director, uh please reference Reed's uh, uh you know naming him earlier, um, You're smart not to try. Yeah, I, <laughs> yes. I am. Um uh uh how intentional it was to not lean into the palette of the giallo version. Um mainly just because I think at least my understanding of it was there was a sort of active way of not wanting to attempt recreating what happened there um, Mm, and mm -hmm, sort of more mm -hmm. just, okay, let's take, and this is tilting my hand a little bit. This is something I really actually loved about the new film um, Mm -hmm. is it kind of, it kind of views the original as a cliff's notes and without sure uh, taking away from it and just sort of blows it up and, and kind of, okay, let's take the story that was there and really kind of explore it. And I really appreciated that. So you are correct in noting the absence of, of bold, bold coloring. And that was quite intentional. And in fact, if I'm remembering correctly and it's possible, I'm not, but if I'm remembering correctly, I think there was an intentional effort to dull the palette, um, wow. to, 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 stand in contrast and to not attempt to be recreating that wheel. So
1: that's interesting. So, okay. So we might be on divergent paths here for this because, uh, again, it's not a competition. They're two. They're two distinct films. Admittedly, you know, telling the same story with different visionary voices, but for me, I prefer the 1977 rich color palette. It's one of the things that draws me when I revisit the film or when I think about the film. I would, uh, as we did with our Pet Cemetery conversation, we're gonna kind of pick a winner. Obviously, it doesn't mean we actively, you know, dislike one in favor of another, but um, so if I were to pick a winner between the color palette and production aesthetic of the 77 version versus the 2018, I would pick, the 77 version. I love those striking vibrant colors. Are am I to imply from your, you know, viewing of this that you would maybe pivot towards the 2018 version? I uh, uh,
0: you know, you can imply that all you want, but you you're not going <laughs> to infer that from what I said because that's not exactly what I was saying. I was just more validating your note that they are distinctly different. Um, I mm. while I do think, well, that's probably getting way ahead. Um, no, I, I actually think I can appreciate and, and if we're going purely on intentional or, or rather uh, uh, memorable production design, I would side with you on the 77 version. I mean, it's hard to kind of um, there's a lot of things you might say, well, the 77 is a little weird and it doesn't really expound much and it's hard to kind of mm, pick mm-hmm. up what's going on. But there's one thing you that's pretty unimpeachable. The desire to make a joke right there is is strong, <laughs> but um, uh, one thing that isn't is just the the intentionality, the strength, the uh, memorable nature of the the production design of the seventy seven. So I would, mm. I would join you there.
1: Okay, all right. So we're so we're given production design in general to seventy seven. So moving to the sort of the next category, I want to talk about is the script. So. One of the things that we noted in our trivial exploration about the script for Dario Argento's version is that originally he wanted the cast of characters to be uh, children, like in the in the 12, 13 range, and per- perhaps even a bit younger. Uh, the appropriate sort of studio heads were like, you cannot set a film, this graphic and this bloody, where like this is all happening to children. Like It'll be banned all over the world. You can't do that. So what he did was he basically raised the age of the core characters but did not rewrite the script. So the characters speak in this kind of simplistic, almost naive language about things. So uh, whereas, of course, the 2018 version, uh, the script is much more deliberate. Uh, as you mentioned, it's an hour longer. And so it's uh, it's got a a lot more depth Uh, it's got a tremendous amount more uh, just world building and uh, focal points with the characters and so what's funny is while I admire and even enjoy the brevity of the 77 script I think just as a a visionary sort of storytelling structural piece I think I prefer this remake in terms of just what it has baked in and layered in to the actual story itself. What uh, did you track with any of those specific comparisons at all while you were watching?
0: There's a lot of ways in which to me, the seventy seven one one feels like a novelty and that that is its mm, mm. point um, yeah. that, you know, don't at me film buffs because that's just <laughs> pure, pure observations on one viewing of each of these. You know, it like I said, it's memorable in its production design, but I think, yeah, absolutely, the script for the new one is far more interesting for a two and a half hour movie. I was never not kind of in it and engaged. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it is, yeah. So for for despite a two and a half hour runtime, there's very little to no fat. It feels like on this. Which is weird for for it, uh, you know, kind of being a repackaging of an hour and a half, thirty year old, forty year old film. Um, right, right. You know, but again, one little production note is I do think they were viewing the original as like their intention was not to remake the original. It was just to kind of
1: right, you know, right. like
0: if you look in the credits, I believe Argento is credited as story by, but or based yes. on based on a screenplay by. That's it. Right,
1: right, um, based, based on, on a screenplay, screenplay
0: which. I don't I haven't paid attention to a ton of remake notes and credits, but that feels like a different way you would adapt a thing than, you know, based on Suspiria 1977.
1: Like, right. Right. Of course. Of course. So, Um, yeah, I would
0: I would I would, again, agree with you that script wise, this new one uh, is the winner. Yeah, it yeah it fleshes
1: exactly yeah it fleshes it out uh, much more. Something that I'm not gonna uh, it kind of bleeds from production design and script. It's it's not a category where I would pit them against each other because when when I unpack it for you, you'll see it's it's not really fair to do so. The 77 film is set in a ballet academy, but the the setting is really almost where the dancing. Component ends oh, like yeah. is just oh, yeah. set in a ballet academy, whereas the particulars of the dance are somewhat vital to the the narrative beats of this story um and that is one aspect that I found w- b- very very compelling, just yeah. like terribly I mean, the, compelling
0: the choreography is amazing in this in fact yes. to your point, I thought about noting this in the script section, but I just wasn't sure okay, is this i mean I I suppose it ultimately is, but, um, and Mm -hmm. also not knowing what else you're going to bring in here, but the, when it's presented in the new one, um, mother Blanc, or uh, do they call them? Madam. Yeah. They don't call them at that point. Um, uh, Madam Blanc and the new one in pitching Susie on dance at all describes it as letters words in the air a poem a prayer and Susie's reply is a spell i was like that is a very very cool idea Um, Yes, and i just loved that i was like that i've never seen that i've never heard of that used in a story like this like to to have your body itself be the thing through choreographed movement casting a spell is pretty awesome
1: Yeah. And they use it in such effective ways. So this is not a this is not a subcategory. Well, actually, why don't we pivot into this? I was going to bring this up a little bit later. Um, So one of the things I was going to, you know, pit these two films against each other is their general fear factor, their general sort of uh, uh, scary sort of elements. And that's tough to do. Because as you mentioned, like obviously they're after different things, uh, the constraints of time and all of that different thing. But one of the things that I love about this about this 2018 version is the way in which it integrates the – and, and, and it's, it, it's on the nose from the beginning that these are witches. Like right, it just does right. not hide for almost any instance that these are witches and they're in a coven and something's funky – Whereas, in the '77 film, it that is it's obscured. like a, a very big mystery. It's like a like a last ten minute reveal that this is what's going on. It's sort of teased along the way. Maybe in the last thirty minutes, they start uh, sort of exploring the notion. But yeah, it's absolutely obscured. Whereas well, this one, what's, yeah, it, go ahead.
0: what's interesting about that note that's just now coming to me is in the '77 version, you as a viewer are kind of taken through this horrific, almost. Um, funhouse type of and I, i'm saying that in terms of the color palette and whatnot uh um, yeah, sort sure, of funhouse sure. weird whatever what is going on with these people what's fascinating this again just coming to me about the new one is the old one you're as a viewer unaware the new one yeah. like you just referenced pretty much out of the gate you know even if you haven't seen the original film like okay
1: right they right.
0: they are playing a, a con on these young girls which is fascinating from a viewer standpoint because it almost makes you complicit in th- the story yeah. being told it's like yeah. we are keenly aware actively that these young girls are being played um and so right. what is that and so that's almost a fascinating that we don't totally have time for here but that's almost a fascinating trail to walk of film and art of like what that means and how mm. because because what you are just tiptoeing up to that maybe you'd ultimately get to in terms of the tone and flavor listener. I don't know where Reed's going with these topics. So ap- ap- <laughs> apologies to you Reed, if, if you're like Nathan, I was going to get, no, you're I, fine. I don't know where you're going. No, no, um, you're fine. You're if fine. someone were to be like, which of not even comparing the two films, but the new Suspiria, I remember watching it and being like, this is a horror movie. Like like yeah, ignore sure, ignore sure. even the payoff of the final 30 minutes, which is horrific which, in and of itself. Oh, my God. But yeah, yeah. from a pure like dread kind of malevolent intent that's readily visible uh, victims who are unaware they are victims, like uh, even just from a film film craft standpoint, like that is a horror movie. And again, I don't know that I'll revisit the new one, just not because I dislike it, but just because of time and life. But. Like if someone were to say what's a recent good horror movie, I would might point to this as something that would make that list.
1: Yeah. I I don't disagree. It's, it's very effective and it gave me more to think about after it was over and done with. And I don't think that that's specific to the 77 film being so old um, or me being so disconnected from it's uh, like, I think in our previous sort of lost to time conversation, I think we had both sort of admitted that the 77 Argento film was more an exercise in style over substance. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we really struggled to sort of gleam something substantial thematically from the 77 film, not because there's nothing there, but it is, it is so stylistically specific. And uh, this film, boy, there were so many scenes that really captivated my imagination. They dug into the notion of delusion and how uh, this is something that is present in the 77 film because it, uh, it was ultimately part of what pivoted our thematic conversation in that one is, is in the 77 film, the psychiatrist played by Udo Kier uh, says to Susie, the main character, uh, bad luck is not the product of broken mirrors, but of broken minds. Like he really digs into, uh, you know, I, I'm a materialist and, and a, a scientist, and so uh, those supernatural elements are really just not in my paradigm of belief whereas the 2018 film does dig into that with the dr kemper uh dr klemperer character and they you know like it integrates that character in the finale of the of the film as as crucial to sort of the uh the interplay of of what they're what they're dealing with and uh and i found that immensely fascinating um not to just like drop that and then and then move on i want to talk for a moment about the different performances in the two films the performance for me the performances in the 77 film were um good and strong but there was a language barrier the uh the performances were they didn't record sound at the time that they recorded the seventy seven one uh, and they like dubbed all the sound later. Uh, sometimes the performances felt a bit theatrical and and broad. Uh, whereas these are much more subtle. Did you note? I'm sure you did because you're Nathan. Huh? Na- Nathan. Yeah. You're a good man. So, oh man. You, <laughs> oh man. Um so I'm sure you noted this. Um that with the exception of the two police inspectors. Uh one of whom is uh, really like how do you sign up for that? <laughs> <You> know, <yeah. laughs>
0: because like
1: so you're it's show a pretty up it's pretty the...
0: unglamorous position here. You know, pretty unglamorous no. uh role here. You know, you're the cop. Oh cool, authority figure. Yeah. How oh, about you're going to be butt naked while a woman plays with your you know your your, yeah. your 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 your
1: wand, yeah. or whatever no, your, witch, your witch's that. wand with a giant <laughs> hook. Like goodness gracious, expelliarmus, yeah, no. indeed! <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: god! Oh my gosh! Oh, so,
1: um, but with the exception of the two chief inspectors, oh, actually, what are... I wrote,
0: I'm sorry, actually, what I wrote down is no, those th- witches playing with their nightsticks. That that's what I
1: night. Uh, yeah, yeah. Either way, either way. You know, wand hopping, wand, hopping, hopping right along. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so uh but uh with the exception of those those two police inspectors there are no male actors in the film. So did you catch that Dr. Klimperer is not a male? Like oh, Come on man. Of course. Of course. It's like so Well what's Tilda funny Swinton, what's funny
0: is I knew I did not know she played multiple roles. The second oh, I yes, saw yes. him I was like mm, one that's not a dude. Uh yeah, two of course, I of course. bet that's Tilda and I, but I didn't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, maybe I had I'm the sorry. exact same experience. Go, go ahead, because I'm I may be stealing some thunder. You're about to lay out. So. Uh
1: no no uh if, if if I'm on the right wavelength, I think you're about to say the same thing. I didn't know until after the fact that she also played the the gruesome, grisly, nasty looking Helena Marcos figure at the end. Did oh, you know that? Is um, that where you were? Going? I did not
0: know that at all. It didn't surprise me at all. I'm. Pr- Eddie, sure it was Beckley? Did Beckley alert us to that on Facebook? Or or I can't. I yeah. Can't remember yeah. That. He did, he did. Uh, mm. I I posted about it on Instagram and he referenced mm, it. Mm. And so it doesn't surprise me at all knowing Tilda Swinton as a performer. But um Sure. This is a brief note and and shout out to Beckley here too. Like the reason, Stephen, I didn't reply to that is just in the moment time, but also because I got a little confused at the end. Um mm, by mm. and ultimately for for you, Reed, I would actually be open to a more robust, normal uh, Fear of God episode on this new film. But okay, um, sure. I got a little confused because of the, the kind of demonic figure that emerges at the end. Because oh, if you remember... Mother Death? Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't catch that it had a name in the film itself. But if mm-hmm. you remember in the 77, Marcos is the the ultimate sort of figure of this coven, right?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: So, so, you know, clearly the name Marcos shows up in multiple places in the new film. You have that voiceover scene of them voting on who's going to lead. Right. I, when you first meet who is actually Marcos or Tilda under grizzly Ninja turtle pizza face, uh, costuming.
1: Um <laughs> it's totally Krang. Yeah, so well, no, awful. there's
0: there's an actual ninja villain named Pizza Face, that's what I was referring to, but yes. Ooh, uh, either way, Krang, yeah. Pizza Face, whatever. Um, I thought that was Marcos. Well, then what you just called Mother Death emerges, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Is that Marcos? So I did get oh, a little confused there, and just, oh, I was on a plane okay. and the snakes were there, and I was like, what is with all these snakes on this mother <laughs> F- plane? <laughs> and, you know, so I didn't have time to dive into, you know, who was who sure, at the end, sure, it understand. does not surprise no. me whatsoever, because... Weird though she is, Tilda Swinton is a hell of a performer and just brings oh, she's, it. she's amazing. She's,
1: inc- she's incredible. She's really incredible. Um, To the point that it's funny because she plays Dr. Klimperer, but people on set, some of the people on set did not quite catch that it was not. Yeah, I'm pretty heavy sure makeup, they didn't tell. But- yeah. Yeah, they didn't tell uh that so those on the set for, this is what I read. Those on the set who knew it was an actor in other makeup still did not know it was Tilda. Wow. Still did not know that it was her. Um and in fact in press releases whenever they would ask her um like are you playing Dr. Klimper? She would she would say uh Dr. Klimper is played by Lutz Ebersdorf. And that's who is credited as right. playing Dr. Klimper. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Know? Yeah. And and then it was finally revealed. I think, I, th- I think I'm remembering correctly what I read. It was finally revealed when some studious reporter then said, are you playing right. Lutz Ebersdorf, right. which is when she finally said, yes, I'm playing Lutz Ebersdorf. Um, and there was well, a I hint think, I think in the at, name. Least, at
0: least what I, uh, I, I'll let you get to that hint, but what I, sure, rem- sure. what I remember from the brief anecdote there was simply, uh, the way I've read it framed was she offered no one ever asks. You know, like mm, they. Mm. Everyone asks, "Are you playing Klemperer?" And she says, "No." She says,
1: oh, "No one ever asks
0: uh, if I'm playing Ebersdorf." And so that was uh, kind of the got it. the
1: reveal. But what's funny is there is a hint in the name Ebersdorf, which is how they credited it. I I don't remember exactly how the words break down. Uh, but the uh, Ebers, I believe, is like uh, similar to like uh, swine or uh-huh. like pigs. Yep. And Dorf is like town, so Ebersdorf, in its translation, is Swine Town, which is very similar to Swinton. Right. And um, so I, just, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, just, uh, to get back to sort of the core performances, I mean, I feel like th- this is really the only thing that I've that I've noted or seen Dakota Johnson in. Uh, I know she's, you know, <laughs> yeah, she's right. been in several things. Oh come <laughs> on, no, I've never seen those films. So. But <laughs> apparently you have <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I just know but, she's in them. Well, okay, so I have not seen the Fifty Shades movies, <laughs> um, but but she's been in more stuff than that, I think. But I just have never seen anything that she's uh, that she's been in. So this was my first sort of exposure yeah. to her. I think she's incredible yeah. in this film. Well, like, what's funny is I remember
0: I remember piecing together what the cover art is and about the halfway point which is different mm. different than the 77 version because it does go a different route, uh, I think, if I remember in 77 correctly, um, I was like, hmm, I think she becomes part of it.
1: I didn't know how oh. or what,
0: mm. but mm-hmm. but something about the cover art and the way the character was beginning to buy into what was going on, I was like, I, sure. bet, I bet that's what they're after here as opposed to, I think, in the original, which is she rejects it all the way through, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So so a comment on that to to affirm, but then also to praise Jessica Harper, who was the lead of the 77 film, and I think probably one of the strongest performances in the 77 film. So she, in that film, yeah, she actively resists it. She kills Helena Marcos and then escapes the coven while the ballet school, like, sort of collapses around her. That's the way the 77 film ends. In this one... I I kinda love that Susie's character, played by Dakota Johnson in the remake, is totally long conning them. Like she's she it is revealed in that final thing when Pizza Face is sitting there and <laughs> is like and it's like I'm gonna, you know, that's Elena Marcos, and she's like, "Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, uh, you know, empty you out. There'll be nothing of you left, and then I'll inhabit your body." And then Madame Blanc, who is also played by Tilda Swinton, is sitting there like, "Something's wrong about this. Don't you, know, don't you sense that something's wrong about this?" Because Susie, the character, is like totally embracing, like, "I'm ready. This is why I came, or whatever." And that, like, when she says that, that's when suddenly like that death figure that which I I think you're right I don't think it's it's credited as death in the credits but no. I don't think they ever say it in the in the film but uh so that's when that death figure like emerge. which hello that's like a bagul looking yeah. kind of yeah, nasty scary oh man when that thing emerges on the scene I'm like oh this is I was not prepared for this <laughs> film go here. Good night, Mommy. This got real. <laughs> Good night, Mommy. Because so, you, um,
0: you can't use O-Man oh, with this one because it's like a feminist movie. Which is, you know, it's witches. Oh, like,
1: oh, that's right. Yeah. There's, I think, well, see, thanks, that's thanks interesting. That,
0: so. That's interesting. And clearly, this is a different type of episode than we're normally, and we're clipping a little bit. And apologies if I'm cutting you off rudely. I, no, you're fine. You're fine. I'm at least calling it out this time as opposed to how I normally do it and just do it. Um <laughs> I didn't interpret, and and I'm not telling you you're wrong, I just didn't pick up on if it's the case that Susie is intending what ends up happening as much as she, in other words, when Blanc references something being wrong, I didn't intuit that the thing she might be discerning is Susie is here and ready and she's going to be whatever is next, versus just she was being protective of Susie. That's how I read that scene.
1: Well, so, and I think you're right. No, I think you're right. That's the way, so, so here's what's brilliant about that moment to me, and this is, again, my interpretation from, and again, we're talking about the 2018 film, because the 77 is much more direct. Susie is beset upon, she confronts Helena Marcos in a terrifying scene, uh, where, you know, nightmarish zombie Sally comes, or Sarah comes and, like, tries to kill her and everything, oh, it's awful, um, but in the two thousand eighteen version, I think from Madame Blanc's perspective, she is worried for Susie and and is telling her, like, hey, I can make this all go away. If you have any doubts yeah, yeah. And I can make I think she I think she is attached to that. What neither she and, and because of her sort of abandonment of that, Helena Marcos kills her right then. Right. Like right. just sort of like, you know, almost decapitates her right there in that moment. So Madame Blanc is now out of the picture. And that is when it was revealed that Hel- again, Helena Marcos is like, what? What are you? What are you talking about? Because Susie then reveals, like, nope, I've been like, this is why I came. I i am mother suspiria because she says you know like what mother right. uh, were you anointed as and and she says you know suspiriorum and she says i am she so that's when Susie sort of reveals herself as like no i am the one and it makes sense when you look back at things like she's so ready to dive in yeah initially she's like, on, the, she's on like, the
0: dancing she's like 50 shades freed brother come on <laughs> Let's let's do this.
1: <laughs> and so like she's so in control and and it's so funny because that's in striking contrast to the way Jessica Harper, who does have a cameo in this film late in the film as a tribute to the seventy seven yeah. version, but Anca. but her yeah, as Anka. Um but in the seventy seven version, she is very again beset upon like she's constantly trying to figure out what's going on. She's trying to piece the things together. Whereas in this film, uh the 2018 one susie is always very assured she is never even when characters are bringing sort of mysterious things to her she's she's never seems alarmed by anything she doesn't even seem alarmed by those freaky dreams with all this weird awful. imagery and stuff yeah she doesn't even seem alarmed by that and it makes perfect sense when you get to the end to be like oh because this is like this is her dance well, this whole time well
0: Mm, That's a good one, Reed. You did well. (laughs) Um, One, the dream is the lone reference to the Mackett scene from 77 because there's worms falling in people's hair in the dream. But are you saying that, are are you positing that Susie of the current, of the new one, enters the story uh, with that as her intention? Or you're just saying one?
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm saying that that from the beginning to me,
0: to me, her entering it, knowing and ready and and moving forward completely that way feels like a little bit of a stretch. I'm not refuting it I'm just saying i i want I'd be open to rewatching it with that in mind, knowing or or rather I'm much more convinced that at a certain point she does become involved and convinced and desiring this thing mm, um mm. you know because because I'm with you. I remember moments where it's like, man, she is really not phased by the weird stuff going on around (laughs) here that she's being told about but the only reason i would say i don't know that she's convinced of that from go that she enters the story aiming for that is just there does seem to at least be some so she enters the story like the character at the beginning of the 50 shades trilogy and then she (laughs) clearly leaves the story much more uh, much more, you know, just kind of open to all the things, I guess. But because I think that dance sequence, that initial dance sequence, when, well, you know, you're 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 tilting me your direction because, um, you know, does she know everything? That's a, that's hard to convince me of in the moment. But does she know enough that she's angled herself here intentionally? Uh, is supported by just how much she has studied Blanc's career and knows, yeah. knows that dance, which I don't know all the Sub subheadings you're going to, but Olga's death sequence, at, or not death ultimately, but her scene uh, at, at like the forty minute mark is one of the most horrifying scenes in a film I've ever seen. That was yes, oh my gosh, yes. Like that scene yes, happens, yes, yes. you're like oh we're we're here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's and it's like yeah, it's like forty minutes in, and yeah. it is so intense and it is grisly and it is not done with any almost any CGI. I effect. saw that. that that ain't yes, right. She's a she's a contortionist, so she's genuinely moving. Oh, that, that way. ain't right. It's like, Ugh. God Lord, oh man, it's yeah, it's it's nightmarish. Well, okay, so I really only ha- so I've I've only got two more, and we and uh, so I want to make a just sort of hit and run. I wanted to comment on the score because the musical score is so much of a prominent. Uh, factor in the 77 Suspiria scored by the band Goblin uh, with assistance from Dario Argento a very unnerving sort of uh, techno laden score it, it, unlike musical scores that seek to be somewhat subversive or supportive of the scene the um, Suspiria score from 1977 just is like in your face it's just like I'm here pay attention <laughs> to me um, And whereas the uh, score for 2018 is the first score by Radiohead frontman Tom York um, and was you know noted and popularized as a result. It's like ooh, Tom York's finally scoring a film, and and uh, and so there was much much ado made about that uh, that particular factoid. Um, I think if I were to pull up like what am I going to listen to? I did find Tom York's score very effective and very uh, captivating and hypnotic. It's much more, if I can use this word, lovely to me than the seventy seven film. Uh, but the 77 score is uh, it it's uh just as an album as a piece, it's it's kind of uh it gets in your head and it's it's pretty hard to forget, even if you don't remember the specific melody, like just the sensibility of that uh you know techno sort of score. But that was one note. I I don't want to bypass your thoughts on that if you have anything to say. And then I've got one final one before we wind it down.
0: Um, I would lean hard towards New Suspiria score just. Due to the cacophonous nature of the original. Um,
1: sure, yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and so then the last note that I have is just uh, somewhat wrapped up for time's sake in in uh, theme or what we feel the film is after, but but specifically the endings. the uh, The last half hour, as we've alluded to multiple times at this point and gone into some degree of detail, essentially the last 30 minutes... Well, with with the exception of the last ten minutes of that epilogue with Doctor Klimperer, but um, the the finale, the climactic finale of 2018 Suspiria, is this horrific. There's no other word for it. Just this horrific, uh, macabre like death emerges, and people are getting eviscerated, and people are getting exploded, blown, yeah, blown the hell up, and they're like. <laughs> I mean it's just like and and I'm just sitting here watching it and what's also weird is the camera which prior to that had been very precise these very well structured scenes it's not that this is not well structured clearly it is but the camera takes on this very weird sort of hazy foggy kind of um uh, distorted viewpoint and it's it's shaky and uh it's it, it's a it's an unsettling climax it's a very very uh just just jarring that that death figure that uh, it looked so much like bagul from sinister that i was like i couldn't get that out of my head uh while they're walking around literally you're seeing one by one all of the witches of this coven that voted for helena marcos as their you know leading figure and death just like everyone that voted for helena marcos just wiping them out (laughs) just just like touching them and blowing them up. And uh, so that compared, and then I'll shut up and pivot over to you, that compared to the much more direct climax of the 77 film, where it's basically, as we've said before, the Susie character runs away after discovering that they're witches, uh, encounters Sarah's uh, basically, uh, the the word's escaping me, but it's been um, mutilated body, and confronts Helena Marcos, and then is confronted by a now resurrected or at least reanimated, mutilated body of Sarah trying to kill her, and then it all goes haywire from there. But I found it very interesting, the pivot to like Susie being the mastermind in 2018, and Susie being the victim in uh, 77. And so I just wondered which of those which of those takes do you like better. How does that play into sort of your overall thoughts of what the do two different films are after?
0: Um, I think it's a pretty dramatic pivot to whether whether Susie of the current one enters the story angling on where she lands or whether she grows to you know pursue that just within the course of the narrative, regardless, um, it's pretty bold to to take Susie from victim to to Victor. Uh, as it right, were, right. and I think that's really fascinating. I mean, maybe a summary statement, but I think I think the '77 version is the the film when someone's like, "Hey, what's a what's a fun little campy, kitschy horror movie? Like, what what y'all cover? Oh, the '77 Suspiria. Like, ooh, you know, curl up with some popcorn and watch that one. Like, like it's not going to do much for you, kind of substantially um it will be right, an interesting exactly. it'll be an interesting watch and you might be you might tell the water cooler the next day on halloween like oh man for halloween i watched this weird you know jello movie from 1977 they're like, <laughs> like jello movie what are you talking about you like, you know um but whereas this new wow. one is like if someone were to to be like hey you know what is a pretty scratch past that surface um from casual yeah, recommendation yeah. of horror to like okay what's what's your next level kind of thing i would say goodness gracious watch this the the it just sort of it's much more naturalistic so you know that's one thing it's yes, just from that yeah. standpoint it's a little more accessible uh but yeah. because of that they genuinely are after this exploration of okay let's let's go with this this concept sure. which is you know a coven of witches have been operating for who knows how long under the under the pretext of this ballet studio and on top of that, set against real history or, you know, actual historical framework. Um, and that's that's a pretty interesting sort of way to do it. Um, You, yeah. you asked about the climax, like because of sure, that, Sure, by the time you get there, you're kind of o- Olga's Olga's dance of death. Is so Ooh. is so grotesque and, and arresting that by the time you get to the full climax, you're like, oh, whatever, you know. Like- <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're like, I guess this is what we've been signed up yeah, for. Yeah yeah, time yeah, time. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. I
0: am she. I, I am she. Just bring it on.
1: Um, yeah, you
0: know that's gonna oh, that's gonna man. be my new entry. You know, whenever <laughs> I just want to make a dramatic entrance, Um
1: sure. I'm gonna, I am she. You know, dress in something <laughs>
0: sheer and just proclaim, "I am she." When I enter a room, um, <laughs> <laughs> but. You know the the original film is much more intimate. It's much smaller budgetarily, yes. yes. Um, mm-hmm. And does feel more like an exercise in style, uh, which is fine. Mm, which is mm-hmm. fine, and and kind of has a certain place clearly. Um, but
1: sure, sure. I
0: feel like I'm making a summary statement that you didn't ask for, but that was kind of weird. No, no.
1: And 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 we can we can do that, and then uh, uh, probably pivot to the uh, so the sort of the dual fog meter for this, and then wind it down. Um, so again, this is a this is a bit of a different type of episode. It's a bonus. We wanted to just throw it in there. We're not going to explore, uh, but maybe at some point we will perhaps revisit this film, uh, particularly the 2018 film, in some context to um, you know explore it more thematically because I feel like. It is after some interesting things in terms of so it it plays with notions of uh delusion and what is actually happening uh it throws in comments about religion and philosophy uh it uses the dr. klimper character as a kind of a um not an audience surrogate but as a, sort of a foil to uh as as a figure who does not quite buy into everything that they're being told about this coven of witches and then is, you know, fully confronted with that reality uh, at the end in this uh, climactic portion, which I did find interesting that as an epilogue to the 2018 film, uh, Susie's character comes and, like, Gives him closure mm-hmm. about his lost wife, and gives, and again, I keep referring to a he. The character is male; it's played by Tilda Swinton, but um, gives him closure about that, and then gives him peace in forgetting all of them, like wipes his basically like Men in Black style, just wipes his men, memory of anybody that uh, that had caused him pain or grief or or anything like that. And I think there is some interesting nuggets there to explore that perhaps in a different context or a different conversation, we can explore more thoroughly about the nature of uh, delusion and the reality. And then I found it terribly interesting that she essentially, by erasing his memory, gave him this peaceful version of a delusion. She, t- she eradicated things from his mind that were causing him pain uh, when this whole time he had been sort of uh, reluctant to embrace the what he was being told about the reality of these coven of witches, and there's there's some interesting things there. I agree with you to make sort of my summary statement. I agree with you that the the '77 film I think is more stylish, and if you're interested in kind of seeing the definitive giallo film from the '70s, Suspiria is is your go-to. Um, it's uh, affecting as as a piece. It's definitely briefer by a literal hour, and and it 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 is. It's an exercise in style that I think horror fans would would tremendously enjoy. I think the 2018 film, kind of understandably, is after more complex, more interesting th- to me, more interesting things, um, and so I feel like perhaps just because. It was new and fresh to me. I feel like I would lean heavier into enjoying uh and thinking about and exploring more the two thousand eighteen Suspiria than I would the uh the original nineteen seventy seven film by Dario Argento not to take anything away from it but as a uh, as a final exit point do you want to do a dual uh, fog meter for both of these films
0: yeah but real in quick o- real quick on that note um, sure th- these would have been inclusions in the scripting question you asked earlier but if we never return to this just some thematic things that aren't fully formed but just lines I wrote down I love sure I love when I think it's Patricia asks Klimperer about magic whether he believes in it and she he says. No, but I do believe people can organize themselves to perpetrate crime and call it magic. That I can believe. That was an interesting mm. note. Um, t- yeah. Tilda, yeah. Um, or no, I'm sorry. I wrote old man Tilda, which is <laughs> a klimper, klimper, <laughs> to, to Sarah yeah. at lunch um, when they have that breakdown when he tries to confront Sarah and tell her what's going on. He says, right. love right. and manipulation share houses and are frequent bedfellows, which I found a very compelling idea. Um yeah, absolutely. The last one, uh, which is – there's a lot of places we could run with all of these, but really kind of heartbreaking is uh, actual Tilda. So Blanc to Susie, she says, dance can never be beautiful or cheerful again. Today we need to break the nose of every beautiful thing. And that's, I don't, oh, I don't, my that's gosh. Rough. yeah rough. Yeah. Anyway, yes, um, please Sally no. Forth to where you want.
1: So uh, well, and uh, this is not in the the depths and riches of, of theme that you just extrapolated. But you mentioned the Sarah character, uh, that poor girl, Goodness like, gracious. like, yeah, she just gets like casually disemboweled and doesn't react, and I, well, I don't know what to do with and, any of that. And again, you know, we if if we
0: have time in the future to revisit this film, like, if you read a little bit, like that climactic scene even from a production standpoint was pretty traumatizing for these performers which is really uh,
1: ooh, sad yeah. and hard yeah, yeah, yeah i think they referenced yeah. her particularly so yeah uh with respect to both of these films and uh again with perhaps sideways apologies to the listeners for our brevity and sort of uh, pace of this we wanted to share some thoughts while it was timely to our 70s conversation um about suspiria in the context of the original film, and the 2018 film. Uh, we may revisit this at some point in the future, but I uh, wanted to just throw a little bonus in here to share some of our thoughts on both of these films. Uh, so let's uh, briefly pivot to the fog meter for both of these, at least in the context of this right here. Um, what I'm going to have you do, we, we measure these films by uh, their fear and their God, which translates more to their scares and their substance. Um, so, Nathan, why don't you give me your fear measurement for both the 77 and... And the 2018 film.
0: So you're wanting two values, not one average value, right? Yep,
1: two Um, values, two distinct values.
0: um, And uh, how I would interpret interpret fear of just whether they are scary and what to what level they are. Um, The original, I would give, you know, maybe maybe three. Uh, That razor. Okay. That razor wire room is pretty rough.
1: Um oh man, that stupid razor that wire. Stupid room. razor wire room. They did that, they they that left room. that out of the
0: new one. I was really waiting for it. I was like, come on, y'all, don't let me down. <laughs> and they did. Oh. Uh for the new one, I I, I would consider a ten. Um mm. uh I, I I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna go for a ten. It's scary as crap. It is okay it is sure, it is, sure. it is sure. haunting. It is grotesque. It is not pure startle or jump scare at all. It is dreadful and it has a, a, a hell of a, a climax.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I'm i kind of right there with you. On the uh, fear measurement for Suspiria, I do find, uh, you know, moments like the deaths in the original Suspiria to be quite jarring. Uh, the climactic scene in the 1977 Suspiria, uh, I found very, I still find very arresting. Uh, again, uh, reanimated, mutilated corpse of Sarah trying to attack Susie and everything. It's, it's, it's got some grotesque imagery. I'm gonna pivot much higher and give it a six for the 77 Suspiria. Um and then uh perhaps a a bit confrontational to you although I'm not intending to be I'm actually going to pivot down from your ten to a nine for the 2018 one I do feel like I love you, that you made a I comment. love that
0: I love that you thought just one point deviation was going to be confrontational <laughs> you right, son everyone. of a no you can't do it <laughs> you raise that up to a ten right now I am she um so, um
1: but uh. I feel like the uh you made a comment earlier in this conversation where you said like it's a proper horror film and I'm like, Yes, like it's it so is. Not that the seventy seven one isn't, but uh yeah, to the two thousand eighteen Suspiria is definitely a proper horror film. So nine for me for that. Um for the substance measurement, uh on the seventy seven one, listeners don't know this, so just in brief, like we you know, I mentioned it earlier, we really kinda struggled to grasp some of what it the, the 77 Dario Argento film thematically was basically an example of us sort of gleaming a couple of lines that we then extrapolated something of what we bring to it, which happens from time to time. Uh, but we we feel like it's an exercise of style over substance. I definitively do not feel that way about the 2018 film. I feel like the 2018 film has a lot of very, very interesting things going on in it. So my my God measurement or my substance measurement for the 77 film is actually going to be a one and a half, and my, I know, I know, I know, I mean. and, all right. and my, uh, my substance, uh, my god meter for the 2018 film is going to be a solid seven.
0: Well, perhaps, you know, I, I don't know, a little confrontational here for the god meter <laughs> of the 77 one, I might go with a one um and to be fair there is likely some proximity bias here that's, that's skewing some of my 77 numbers a little bit um but regardless um, I, I do think summarily that it's a, as we've r- repeatedly said style over substance for that one so i don't feel like a one is off base um i i, I would almost be open to a second conversation as maybe a best of grab bag 2000 was this did this come out last year or nineteen?
1: Yeah, this no, this came out in two thousand
0: eighteen. Yeah. Are you sure of that? Okay, maybe yes. Right. I mean, I'm I'm, not, I'm yeah. not telling you you're wrong. I don't mean i be not be confrontational. Or it
1: anything, was really. You know? I mean, it was uh, right, right. It was. Uh, so, I mean, I would need to look in and see like when theatrical release versus video on demand release and everything. But but it's it's coded as a two thousand eighteen film
0: because it didn't. Well, it didn't register for our top at all. Then that surprises me. Um, yeah. Regardless, uh, Hmm. I I would be interested in even another shorter conversation, uh, you know, solely focused on the new film, because I do think thematically there's a lot going on that's interesting and and kind of worth conversing about. So, sure, sure. um, I think uh, right now I will join you at a seven. I do think there's room to even for that to come up for a more if a more robust conversation were to take place.
1: Sure, sure. Okay, so where that puts us. On the fog meter, how about I give the uh, the seventy seven and you give the the newer one if that's okay? So the seventy seven Dario Argento film we give on the fog meter a three out of ten. Man, they're gonna they're gonna kill us for that. <laughs> wah, wah. We give it <laughs> we give it a three out of ten. Uh, what do we give the two thousand eighteen slash two thousand nineteen maybe uh, the remake? What do we give? To that? Well,
0: it looks like Reed, you know, and and. The the oh my god, I
1: can't even I can't even
0: set this up. <laughs> <laughs> well read for the 2018 slash nineteen slash whenever it came out. That's see, that's the befuddlement that the coven puts on you. You're like, hmm, I don't mm, know. Yeah,
1: <laughs> the mm, camera is
0: all shaky mm. and bloody and everybody's exploding. I don't know when this came out. Um no, we are going to give an eight point two five. We love our quarter mm, points here, so we are going to award eight and a quarter. Um, which feels new to me, but hey, you know it's uh, <laughs> whatever.
1: You've been my friend a long time. This should not be new to you. No, 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 um, not you doing something
0: you know like that. I just mean like the fact that we've instituted it is feels new. But regardless, it doesn't matter. Sure. Um, I, am, sure. I am she, and here we go. <laughs> so,
1: so would you would you recommend the '77? Would you recommend the the newer one? Um, I, I think it's yeah. I mean, I, pretty clear to listen. I think. I
0: think. Uh, it sounds like I'm hating on the seventy seven that's not especially in isolation I don't remember all the ins and outs of the conversation we that that we lost, but um I do think it's a worthy watch you know for its place yeah, its place yeah. in the canon I do think even stylistically it rises um you know it it, it lifts the tide uh, as it were um I find the eighteen one or whatever time frame it is eminently fascinating and and really yeah, yeah. really uh strongly crafted uh in such a way that it, it it there's much more fuel for actual engagement
1: yeah yeah i would agree i feel like if you are you know if the, the 77 one is the definitive uh giallo film and if you are a horror fan at all i think you should uh seek that out if you are not if you're only a casual horror fan, I don't know that there's gonna be much in the 77 Suspiria version for you to latch onto. Um, but the 2000, the, the remake, uh, the whenever it is remake, um, I would, with the asterisk that it is graphic mature content, um, particularly like violence and sexuality and and everything uh, that uh, well not sexuality nudity specifically that uh, that yeah if if that if you are palatable towards that then it is an easy recommend um, because if you can handle mature content it is so compelling and really fascinating um, so yeah that is uh, that is our little bonus conversation um, outside of our normal not format. So little, for- but- not so little. <laughs> That's all right. Hour, it was but, good. It was fun. Uh, but yeah, so uh, so listeners, uh, stay tuned uh, next week uh, or like you know in the coming week, uh, as we had mentioned on our last episode for the next installment of Speaking in Tongues. And Nathan, thanks so much for uh, sticking in there and doing with this this with me again. I really appreciate it.
0: Sure thing, man. See you guys next time. Bye. fear of god is the beginning of wisdom but not the end of the conversation and you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways you can follow us on twitter at the fear of god you can like and follow us on facebook or join the facebook fear of god discussion group you can follow us on instagram at fear of god podcast go to more than one lesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the other official episode posts Email us at fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed by Lee Wright and Reed Lackey. Our podcast art was crafted by Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com. Merchandise for the show can be found at tpublic.com. Just search The Fear of God Podcast, all one word. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or a review. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi everybody.